Next on BYU Sports Nation, how do season expectations change depending on who starts at quarterback for BYU? Former NFL running back and Bo's dad, Merrill Hodge, will join us. We'll also discuss the position change we're most excited about. I think we know how Merrill will answer that question. And we continue our in-depth BYU football position previews with the big uglies up front. Or are they the big beauties? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. We hungry. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, August 15th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with BYU TMZ contributor Jason Shepard. I love TMZ. I uh, do not hide how much I enjoy that website. Uh, Most of it's hilarious. It's one of three websites, honestly, that every day, like it's part of the routine. It's at least one of three that I will check every day. Twitter, certainly. ESPN.com, certainly. Mm -hmm. And then TMZ. (laughs) Superhero (laughs) hype is also on there, but we don't need to get into that. You just put TMZ and ESPN in the same category. <laughs> um, they're both news outlets. <laughs> <laughs> Is it your goal, your aspiration to be one of the cronies on TMZ the guys on the that, show? The guys that sit over like the cubicle walls and just talk uh, like they don't know that the cameras are there to pretend. Chasing Brad Pitt around. Hey, Brad. Hey, Brad. How's it going, man? Hey, Brad. Brad, what did you, uh, you have for dinner last Say night? Say something interesting so I can feel important. <laughs> Take it back to Harvey. Actually, what they really want is to be punched. That's what they really want. <laughs> There's a TMZ sports section. Oh, I know. I know. Why are you not trying to get in on that? But see, if you go to the TMZ, the main TMZ, it all gets you know funneled into. It's the one main website. Okay. If you need your Kardashian news or your Kanye West news, Jason Shepard is your guy. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Another jam-packed show today. No TMZ. Well... I can't promise that for Jason, but it won't come from me. We do have Merrill Hodge, former NFL All-Pro running back on the program, NFL analyst for a long time. His son, Bo, happens to play running back now for BYU. Also, what's the chance BYU starts a true freshman quarterback in game number one for the first time ever? Think about that. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. The starting quarterback conversation and debate around BYU football, Jason, is reaching omnipresent levels. I get it. You know what? It makes sense. And it's not going anywhere until the coaches name a starter. Who knows when that'll happen? But for the time being, how about we put a new spin on this thing? One that looks well beyond just the actual decision of who will start, an angle with lasting, meaningful ramifications. Jason, how do your season expectations change depending on who is named the starting quarterback, Tanner Mangum or Zach Wilson? If the quarterbacks are as neck and neck as the coaches say, it really shouldn't change expectations at all. If both Tanner and Zach are playing at an equal level, then both should give this team an equal chance to win games. I mean, that's what what it should be, right? I don't know if that's how it is, though. I, I think it's just natural to expect more from a senior quarterback than from a freshman. 
from an experience standpoint, you would think Tanner would mean more wins versus a freshman. If Zach starts, and that's certainly a possibility, I also think fans could deal with mistakes more from him Absolutely. than they will from Tanner for the exact same reason, because of the experience. And look, Zach is a special player. And who knows, maybe he's the exception, but it's just natural to have higher expectations for a senior versus a freshman. No question. The number one difference here is BYU fans, because a true freshman, hypothetically, starting at quarterback in game number one, doesn't have any Division One experience, you go in there expecting him to make more mistakes. Right. Honestly, I expect Zach Wilson to be more aggressive in his reads and his throws and what he thinks he can do because he hasn't faced the Division I speed level. So you think, I can make that throw. I can fit it in that window. I can do this. And I like that attitude. I like that about him. But there will be a learning curve. There will be a reality check. And BYU fans, by nature, will be more patient with that if a true freshman is playing quarterback. Isn't that what we saw out of Tanner Mangum? His freshman season? Absolutely. Making throws? Like, I can make this throw. Like, like running to his right. Make it. And it burned him. It burned him at times. It didn't burn him against Nebraska and Boise State. Certainly not. <laughs> but BYU doesn't have three, six, five-plus receivers on this year's roster. And here's, okay, here is my trump card for why I think Tanner Mangum will start. Because BYU coaches have been preaching, hold on to the ball. Hold on to the ball. Jeremy and I talked about being conservative yesterday, and we had a debate over if no turnovers in a 160-play scrimmage was a good thing or a bad thing. BYU's offense right now I don't think will ever be more conservative under Jeff Grimes than it is in this moment, which is why I think Tanner Mangum is the leading candidate because he is the guy that wants to be more conservative by nature. It's his senior year. It's his last go. He wants to do whatever it takes, and if it's being conservative and being more of a game manager, then he wants to do that. Zach Wilson has nothing to lose. For better or for worse, it could result in some amazing plays, but it also could result in a harsh reality check and some some turnovers against really good competition early in the season. That's interesting that you look at it that way for Tanner because I, I can understand that that line of thinking, but I also think it could go the other way in terms of Tanner being a senior, being his last year, it's like, you know, I, I don't have anything to lose. I'm going to go out and do everything I possibly can. I think, I, I, think it, have, I think it could go that direction, too. I think too. that could develop, but right now it's about winning the starting job and not losing the game for your team. That's the, that's the impression that I get right now is who's the guy that's going to give us the best chance to win by not making dumb mistakes and taking dumb risks and dumb chances that will give away freebies to this heavy Power 5 schedule early in September. And I think Tanner understands the gravity of that. It's okay. This is why I want Zach Wilson to be eased in. I want him to be able to make mistakes and be aggressive and learn that. I just don't think we need to do it in game number one. Well, to your point in terms of being conservative with the offense, you know, this offense and what Coach Grimes and the offensive coaches are looking to do not only put these players in the best position to be successful, but also put them in the best position to not make mistakes. Okay. Yeah, you want you want a number in terms of expectation? I'll give you a number as we close out this subject. You're dropping some knowledge here. Yes. BYU's over under win total jumps up to seven with Tanner Mangum. With Zach Wilson, I think it's it's a six win threshold. 
I, I just so there's one game so of you difference. You think Tanner right now. is one one game better? Yeah, and that has nothing to do with what Zach Wilson can become. But if you start a true freshman against that slate and expect to go with him the whole season, I say BYU's cap is probably six games. Tanner Mangum, seven, maybe eight, maybe somewhere between seven and eight. We've entered week three of fall camp. Players and coaches have had several practices under their belt at this point, and by all accounts, things progressing like the staff wants them to, and that's on both sides of the football. So have we learned anything, though? Spencer, what's the biggest thing that you've learned thus far in BYU's fall camp? I'm going to go back to something that I touched lightly on in our opening topic, and that is ball security. I am intrigued every time I hear Jeff Grimes, Aaron Roderick, one of the quarterbacks, one of the running backs, talk about who's going to take care of the ball. What do we care about? How's the quarterback going to win the position? Who can take care of the ball, ball security, and score points? Like, I knew it was important, but it has become, like, the key phrase of, Fall camp for me in 2018 BYU football. Ball security. Who will take care of it? Like They are so worried about turning the ball over, and rightfully so, against Power 5 competition. Because they get it. Jeff Grimes gets it. If they start handing away freebies to teams like Wisconsin and Washington yeah. and Cal and Arizona, things are not going to go well. Like If you have to get into a knockdown, drag it out, low-scoring affair because you're being conservative and ball security is top of the list – Fine. Fine. I'm okay with that. It's year one of a brand new offense. Well, and turnovers are one of those key stats that can change a game. Yeah. So I, in terms of just a schematic element, I feel like there has been a huge emphasis on ball security. Like the risks are going to be limited. Timely, but limited early in the season. I'm going to go somewhat philosophical with my answer, as I like to do. Yes. Uh, And you saw this beginning in spring ball, but it's been obvious to me that there is a culture change. And you hear that phrase a lot, culture change. we got to change the culture. You can see it on the field. You can hear it in the voices of the players and the coaches. This is a team that has turned the page on the 4-9 season last year. They are 100% focused on being ready for the 2018 football season. They're also buying into the accountability. Ah, well, there's accountability about ball security, Jason. And quite frankly, you won't play if you can't take care of the ball. You won't play if you can't take care of the ball. Look, in terms of the accountability, it it is definitely coming from the coaches, but players that I've talked to about it have all said the players themselves take that responsibility very seriously. The, the culture change that Coach Satake and these coaches were wanting for this team from last year to this year, I, I'm seeing it. Now, now, what that translates to in terms of wins and losses That's remains, big to mystery. Be, remains to be seen. But in terms of the attitude, I, I, I am seeing it when, when we're there. And again, our time is limited that we get to see. I can see a difference. Yeah, I'm not big on fear tactics. And I don't think that Jeff Grimes has taken the fear tactic per se. No, but- I wouldn't say that. There is this understanding that, look, if you can't make plays, and especially if you can't keep the ball for us, then we'll find somebody else who can go in there and do that, who will play. One of the more common themes in fall camp is the influx of notable position changes for several key players. Jason, 
Stepping back and looking at all of those position changes, which are you most excited to watch? Look, this is not I'm not going this direction simply because we have Merrill Hodge coming on in yes, just a few are. minutes. That yes, is not yes, why. It is just a very happy coincidence. <laughs> I'm going with Bo Hodge. Okay. And this is the way I look at it. Like when you know, you look down the roster and it's got name and height and weight, and then it has position. I think the position for Bo Hodge should be playmaker. Oh, PM. Okay. Playmaker. And all, all I can go on is what I see in the limited amount of time we get to see practice. I see Bo Hodge getting reps all the time and all over the field. He's getting reps running the ball. He's catching the ball. Everything. I am really excited to see how he gets used this year. And quite frankly, he looks the part of a playmaker. And from what I've seen in practice, he's living up to the hype. I cannot wait to see what this season looks like for Bo. I think he's I think they are going to utilize him in a lot of different ways. The skill position change will always garner and merit a lot of attention, especially when you're a former quarterback. So naturally, a lot of eyes go to that. That is an obvious position change to be keen on and to be, sometimes, in your case, excited about. Sometimes the obvious thing is the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> How much will Bo Hodge even play? That's my Every biggest snap. question. How much will he Offense be and involved? defense. You've heard what I want yeah. him to do. I want him to be BYU's inside the 10-yard line quarterback. If you're down there deep in the red zone. Keep him guessing. Exactly. You have to respect his ability to throw the ball and also run around back there and try and extend a play and just get it in the end zone. Ask Wisconsin about it last year. There was there was that one play that I was like, Bo Hodge should be the red zone inside the 10-yard line quarterback because his he has the ability to just extend plays, and the longer a play goes, the easier it is for a defense to break down inside the red zone. Look, okay? that's, that's what I want. I don't know how much he's going to play as running back. I don't know how much he's going to play at slot receiver or at wildcat quarterback, whatever. I just don't know how much he's going to play, which is why I am steering a different direction. Look, I, I'm not the only one who's been impressed with Bo Hodge. The offensive coordinator, one Jeff Grimes, oh. also likes oh, what he sees. one upper. Bo Hodge is really coming along there. He's a very versatile guy who can do a lot of things. Not, not only is he a talented runner, runs great routes and has really natural hands and um, has shown himself to be a willing blocker too. So I really like his addition to that group. You know why Jeff Grimes really likes him? Because of the last thing. Because he he's a good blocker. Because he's a good blocker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A willing blocker yes. at that. He's not afraid of it, and he is capable and willing. Yeah. So uh, don't let Jeff Grimes fool you with the whole athleticism thing. Like, it's, it's about are you willing to do the things that are a little bit messy and hard, and Bo Hodge is willing to do that. So maybe that will merit him a lot more playing time. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm really anxious and curious to see. We shall see. Okay, so... I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, Jason, and I'm going to go with what I think is the clear, obvious answer, and it's Zane Anderson moving from safety to linebacker. Uh, They have asked him to step into the shoes of Fred Warner and play flash linebacker, field side, cover a ton of ground, have to cover tight ends, have to cover slot receivers, uh, have to rush the quarterback, have to take on a 300-pound pulling guard. He has to do it all. He's gained about, I don't know, 15 or 20 pounds but he's maintained most of his speed. He's the guy. He is the guy on the defensive side of the ball that they expect to be anywhere and everywhere, whether it be intercepting the ball, making a play, tackle for loss, quarterback sack, uh, pass deflection. He, he's the guy that can do it all because he has 
safety experience, and now he's moved up into that linebacker position. I am most excited to watch Zane, the Zane Train Anderson, play for the BYU defense. Look, Zane has been awesome. Oh, my goodness. And I've been super impressed with Zane. Uh, I wonder how he'll play in Boise. Oh! Sorry, Boise. I had to do it. Very pleased. <laughs> Thank you for not Terrible. making me alone Terrible. on the set with Terrible. We Zane Anderson is going to play a lot. We know he's going to play a lot. Minty, There's zero question about that. Many interceptions. <laughs> oh, just stop it. Stop it, Jason. <laughs> All right, we may have jumped the shark on How, <laughs> Our question of the day. How do your season expectations change for BYU depending on who is named? The starting quarterback. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Nickley 51, I expect to compete in most of the gauntlet games if Tanner Mangum is the quarterback. If Wilson is the quarterback from week one, there will be a lot of growing pains and getting to a bowl would be an accomplishment. Hashtag BYUSN. I don't know that the win-loss record really is that much different between Tanner Mangum and Zach Wilson. I gave you my opinion. But there, we need, to, we need to mention this fact. Tanner Mangum has not started against a Power 5 team and won. So if he does that against Arizona, if he's the guy, that would be his first start against a Power 5 team accompanied by a win. 0-7 thus far. That's right. So, yeah, some food for thought as we read that tweet. Join in using hashtag BYUSN. You can chime in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll get to more of your responses a little bit later on in the program. Coming up next, what's the chance Jerem Jordan had something to do with Matt Hadley's new haircut? We will discuss that a little bit later. You want to bring Jerem into the Matt Hadley hair conversation? Why not? Okay. And next... Former NFL All-Pro running back Merrill Hodge joins us. How does he feel about his son Bo's transition from quarterback to running back? And what's the number one bit of advice he's given him? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Behind the mic with Greg Rubel is tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time on BYU Radio. It's a theme. It's a tight end theme. Greg will be joined by tight ends coach Steve Clark and the great Dennis Pitta. I'm glad Greg is making time for Dennis. <laughs> there is certainly time for Dennis. Somebody has to. Dennis is great. Well, when Jerem's not here, there's time for Dennis, right? <laughs> it, it, think about it. Jerem's not on the show today. And, and we're mentioning Dennis. Just happens to be on BYU Radio's Not a coincidence. <laughs> Welcome back. BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The conversation always open. On social media, follow at BYU Sports Nation, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whichever you prefer, all three. That would be great. Use the hashtag BYUSN whenever and wherever you would like to converse with us. Our question of the day, how do your season expectations change for BYU depending on who is named the starting quarterback, Tanner Mangum or Zach Wilson? At one bald Cairo doc in on Twitter. All I know is that the senior isn't a clear-cut starter and a freshman is running neck and neck with him. So... Either the senior isn't as good as he should be, or the freshman is pretty darn special. Having said that, I expect a better outcome than last season with either one of them. Hashtag BYUSN. I think most expect that. I think everybody expects that. Well, yeah. it, and it should be the expectations, absolutely. Coming off a 4-9 and nine season, yeah. so 
I can get on that train for sure. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is former NFL running back, All-Pro, and an All-Pro insider on television as well for a very long time, Merrill Hodge. Merrill, nice to have you back on BYU Sports Nation. Good to be here with you guys. At this point, Merrill, do you own property in Provo yet with how many times you've visited? <laughs> yeah, I have a, a townhome I get to visit every now and then. <laughs> but Bo's taking that over. Okay, okay. What was your initial reaction to Bo's move to running back from quarterback? Well, I thought it was – actually, when he told me uh, – he just told me, well, first of all, he said he was a linebacker coach, uh, Ed Lamb, I think, uh, was going to meet with him. So when he came home, he called me up and said they want to think about moving me to running back. And I was like, well, that's stupid. Because I'm, I'm like, well, I thought he was messing with me. Yeah. And then when he, when he told me he was, uh, that it was for real, first I was like, well, what the, what would the linebacker coach be talking to you about that anyway? That was odd <laughs> to me. I was like, well, what? I mean, that just, that just sounds stupid right there. But I'm like, uh, yeah, that's why I thought he was playing with me. Then I was like, and they go, well, they just want me to look at it. And then I guess about a couple weeks before camp, they asked him to move permanently there. So when he called me up, I was just like, well, I go, what do you think? And he's like, he got me, I thought I didn't come here to play quarterback. I mean, running back. I want to play quarterback. And I was like, well, uh, then what are you going to do? <laughs> he's like, well, he's going to go talk to him. So, you know, he went and talked to him, and, you know, that fell on deaf ears. And, um, in fact, it was, you know, kind of disturbing because they, they put him off for so long when he talked to him, which is, I just never heard something like that. You know, I just, just think it's weird, you know, that you do that. I, I mean, and they'll claim it's a, that they're maximizing his talent, but I'd claim it's a waste of talent. I don't think it's a smart move. And I don't know why the linebacker coach is even a part of the evaluation unless I'm missing something because, He's the only one that seemed to know about it. He told Bo not to say anything. He said, then he said it in a public setting. It was widely known. Then he said on social media it was it was obvious that he was going to move and Critchlow was going to be the, the future of BYU. And then when you realize Ed Lamb recruited Critchlow, then you start to smell. It doesn't smell good. You know, coaches like that, to me, are weasels on staffs. You don't have a staff member do that. I don't know what part of the evaluation he's a part of, but um, – Bo did exactly what. Um, actually, though, actually, the only option he has is really to do it. You know, they didn't let him. They won't let him come compete, and that, that probably shocked me more than anything. Sure. When he went in to talk to him, he said they wouldn't let him compete at it, and that was like. And before he went in there, he asked me about it. I said, Bo, in 44 years, I've never heard a coach not allow you to compete. I go, I, I just, I don't think that'll fly. I think they'll listen to that. Because you know he's so passionate about it, but they didn't want to listen to it. So, you know, he's really doing this. Where I've always felt, and I, I go back to my freshman year at Idaho State. Um, when I signed there, the head coach left, and even though the offensive coordinator really recruited me, and he was the next head coach, it didn't really affect me. But I was watching in the locker room, you know, all the juniors and seniors that you know really got taken advantage of based on that transition where they got left out of it. They weren't a part of the processing. And that's when I've always felt that, you know, college kids with contract with their scholarship, they should have clauses when they're recruited by a coach and that coach leaves, they should be able to leave with that restriction and not sit out. There's not, I, so I don't get the NCAA's punishment for that. The kid that did nothing wrong, the coaches uh, recruited you. Um, he has no obligation to you. Um, yet they have an obligation to the university. This doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But it was unfortunate, unfortunately. But I mean, Bo, 
you know, did what he, the only choice he had, go play running back. Well, from the, the practices we've been able to see, he certainly looks the part and has done a really nice job. Has your opinion on the position switch changed at all now that he's kind of settled into that position? No. Bo coached, I, I coached Bo for his first seven years. And I tell people all the time, he's my best linebacker. He was my best running back, but he was a freak of quarterback. Yeah. And I'm going to be, I'll be honest with you. I've never seen, I've seen a lot of people try to get their best athlete to play quarterback. You know, a lot of people are always trying to do that. That's where you want your best athlete. You don't want to take your best athlete away from there, especially when they have the skill set of quarterback that Bo has. I just, I've never seen it. This is as bizarre and smelly as anything I've ever, ever, ever seen. But um, now I'm not shocked that Bo's a good at running back. I'm not shocked at that at all. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, that that doesn't change my view or opinion on just what a dumb move I think it was. Merrill Hodge with us on BYU Sports Nation, former All-Pro NFL running back. His son Bo is now playing running back after the switch from quarterback. Uh, Merrill, I've been saying for the past few weeks that I would love to see Bo Hodge inside the 20 become BYU's quarterback specialist in the red zone because I think he is dynamic, and you have to respect his ability to throw the ball there and certainly his ability to run the ball. What would you think about him being, I don't know, kind of a Tim Tebow-esque at Florida inside the red zone quarterback for BYU? Well, that's you know that's actually to Bo's credit what he's tried to do is take on a flash role, if you will. Um, you know, and that's what they talked to him about. Now, listen, they've said a lot of things and lived up to nothing. So, you know, I say, like, be careful what they say and yeah. what they think, and you know what they design. I know they designed something here just recently, and Bo's Bo called me up. He said, if you pull out our twelfth grade youth football team, you'll find all these plays. He goes exactly what we did with with him actually in in youth football. So I don't know. You know, I just I, you know, coaches say a lot of things. You know, and I've, I've and that's what I believe too. I mean, that would be really nice. That'd be really cool. But you know, I don't like gadget offenses. If you're already trying to create a bunch of gadgets, you know, yeah, all these things are probably in trouble with your core. But um, to not use him in that in all those in those abilities would be probably would be a mistake. But I, I mean, I wouldn't count on it. Merrill, what are your own expectations for Bo heading into this season? Well, listen, I, here's my expectation for Bo is to play as hard as he's always played. You know what? He committed to staying playing for the team regardless of the circumstances. And my expectations are for Bo just to be happy. You know, I don't have any yardage expectations. You know, I was at the scrimmage. And I was watching him, and I'm watching him doing the little things other than catching the ball or running the ball. That, you know, that to me is not the most important thing. It's all the other things that I'm always – this is why I've always said Bo is one of the most instinctive players I've ever been around. He just has gifts you can't teach. And I was just watching how he did some blocking things, and he handled some stuff and helped out. And I'm like, I mean, a guy could play 10 years like that and still never understand how to do those things. And he was doing it. There was a bunch of pass plays and some blitzes, and I was like, that just – that is why he's just he's a special football player, and I've always loved watching him play. Yeah, and certainly the offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, has pointed uh, that out by saying, look, he's, he's not afraid to do the dirty work. He's a very capable and willing blocker, and he's really good at it. So that goes along with what you've been saying. He, he's a versatile-type player. Now, that said, if he is indeed a running back first, what's the number one bit of advice you have given him or will give him about playing that position? 
Well, we we talked about ball security number one, you know, and then what I've taught the when I you know when I first started coaching football, started coaching him, you know, it's all about playing with pad level, you know, same foot, same shoulder, rising ball, all the fundamentals that go along with being a great runner. You know, I always talk to my youth. It doesn't matter what level I'm talking about or coaching. I always talk to our running backs. I go, you know, guys, we are not supposed to get hit. That is not. We are not. I mean, I understand we're a target, but we can't play like that. Don't let them hit us. Let's strike them. Let's be the striker. Don't let them be the striker. You know, because kids from youth football, they're like, well, they're supposed to tackle us. I'm like, no. Oh, they're supposed to try to tackle us. But no, we want to strike them. Don't let them tackle us. <laughs> so talking to him about talking, talking to him just about how you go uh, by, you know, really protecting yourself and being a good runner, being a guy that's hard to block, I mean, hard to tackle. You know, he's got great, great quickness and great speed. But those little things about the techniques, the pad level, using his flipper, um, deflecting um, tacklers, ball security, just all those kind of things we've been able to talk about. Merrill, you've obviously been around this game for a long time. In your experience, what is the key for a team like BYU to rebound coming off of last season's disappointing year? You know, that's an interesting question. You know, it's so much easier to talk about those terms in the NFL because, you know, the NFL is so evenly matched. You know, and I don't care if you're 0-8 and you're playing a team that's 8-0. In the NFL, it's still going to be a fist fight at the 50. Nothing's easy. You know, college is just so different. You know, you, you got really four of your five for your, four of your first five games. I mean, you're just outmatched. You know, now will Wisconsin be a top-five team like they were when they came here? I'm, Probably maybe not, but they're not going to be spot, they're not going to be far far from that. Yeah, you know, Scott, I mean Washington and Cal and Arizona. Um, it's hard when you're outmanned. You know, um, it's, it's just hard to win games like that. You know, it takes obviously teams to win that. Now, their offensive philosophy. You know, I love it from a perspective of how it controls the tempo. But in college, controlling the tempo is not maybe the most important thing, especially if you're down by 14. <laughs> Tempo doesn't matter now. You know, so it's um, – that's what makes it tough. You know, and I um, – but I think that the way they're running their offense, you know, the way their defense looks, you have chances to be in games. But the problem is if you get down by 14, you're just not built to fight back from that. And, you know, in the NFL, it never kind of gets in those scenarios very much. That's why running the game, ball is so important because you want to control the game. In college, because you're outmanned and another team is going to be so much better than you, it's hard. You know, I just, you know, that's the one tough thing that BYU has, especially with their, their schedule coming up. You know, these teams are just outmatch them across the board. Merrill, we always enjoy talking to you and uh, certainly appreciate the time and your busy schedule. And, uh, yeah, thanks for the insight into Bo and uh, what his future is, and we look forward to talking to you again. All right, guys. Hopefully, Eric. Eric Clarity, or whether there are changes a little bit for you guys. <laughs> yes, sir. Thanks, Merrill. Good night. See you guys. Merrill Hodge on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Coming up, can the BYU offensive line be better even though it's replacing three starters from last year? Uh, one of those guys that's going to replace a starter is a Hodge, Jason. Oh, yeah. a theme. The big beauties, my friend. <laughs> Plus, receiver Micah Simon makes a preseason award watch list. And no surprise, BYU women's volleyball dominating WCC preseason recognitions. This is BYU Sports Nation.
Let's keep it rolling. BYU Sports Nation, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard hanging out at Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. We are on demand anytime, anywhere. And without further ado, here are your BYU SN headlines. Yes, Jason. Play that riff. Fall Camp Week 3 underway with practice and media availability. This afternoon, coverage starts at 2 p.m. Eastern, high noon mountain on BYU TV Sports Facebook page at facebook.com slash BYU TV Sports. Jason Shepard and company have got you covered. That's right. Looking forward to it. Another day out in the sunshine watching BYU football. Micah Simon was named to the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award watch list. The award recognizes the top offensive player in Division I football with connections to the state of Texas. The Cougar Whiteout is from Dallas. Jason, I am shocked you were not shocked or not that BYU women's volleyball was picked as the preseason favorite by the West Coast Conference coaches the number eight team in the country led by the likes of McKenna Miller Kennedy Eskenberg Mary Lake Lindy Haddock Epic and Ronnie Jones Perry all five of those players named to the WCC preseason all-conference team again not shocking (laughs) the team opens this Saturday with a home exhibition match Against UVU, you can see that on BYUtv.org. I'm calling it the BYU Sports Nation broadcast yes. with you, mm-hmm. play-by-play, mm-hmm. Jerem Analyst, okay. me sideline. Let's go, man. I like it. Let's go. And BYU women's soccer defeated the alumni team 3-2 to two last night at Southfield. Lizzie Braby scored two goals. Freshman Bella Felino added one. BYU begins the regular season Friday at Cal State Fullerton. You can listen on BYU Radio. All right, Jason. What's the chance at some point Greg Rebell... <laughs> when Bella Foligno scores a goal, brings in Italian and says, Bella! I need to, Bella! Go, I need to go back and listen to the highlight and see if he did. <laughs> it's going to happen. I, I would expect. too natural, right? Greg is a very cultured person. Yes, I and he's a wordsmith. You, I promise you he knows some Italian. I promise yes, you. That, that will happen. Also, uh, we should play What's the Chance, huh? Let's do it. BYU Sports Nation asks... What's the chance? Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Ben Bagley, what do you have for us at numero uno? Well, before we get to numero uno, how many numeros are there until kickoff? Oh, man. down to the Wildcats. 17 days. That's how many, Ben. 17 days away. BYU at Arizona in the land of the sun, Tucson. You know who wore number 17? Current QB coach. And passing game coordinator, Aaron Roderick. Uh, you also know that Ryan Hancock wore 17. I did know and that as well. Andy Boyce was number 17. And Stacy Connor is wearing it right now. There you go, man. There you go. All right, Ben. Now that we've got that out of the way, what else do you have for Well, us? let's go back to number one. What's the chance BYU starts a freshman QB in 17 days? Look, I know this is going to sound like a cop-out. I'm going to say 50%. If, <laughs> if the quarterbacks are neck and neck, that there's no separation, that means there's 50%. Jason. What's the chance they start a true freshman quarter? 50%. Take that a, doesn't sound like a cop Take out. a stance, man. Take a stance. I am. 50%. <laughs> I'm standing on 50%. Weak. <laughs> Weak. Uh, I'm going to go 40% that Zach Wilson is the first true freshman quarterback to start a season opener in BYU football history. 40%. 50% from Jason. 
Come on. I'm a bigger believer than you are, apparently. That has nothing to do with it. I may not pick a side, but I'm at least more confident than you are. (laughs) It's not confidence. I'm just weighing all of the options. I'm just weighing everything that goes into this. The information that we have. It's 50-50. Number two. Let's see if Jason can get off the fence for this one. (laughs) What's the chance Bo Hodge scores a TD in the opener at Arizona? 83%. (laughs) I expect Bo Hodge to score a lot of touchdowns. I really do. 83%, man. We see the last 30 minutes of of certain practices. Okay. Every time we're there, I see Bo on the field. All right. He's going to have opportunities to do it. So, yeah, I'm going to say Bo Hodge, among the 53 points that BYU (laughs) will score in the season opening win at Arizona, Bo Hodge will, will, will... Record at least one of those touchdowns. Hey, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and we might have to go back and look at the box scores on these, but the last two times BYU opened the season against Arizona in the state of Arizona, touchdowns have been at a premium, right? Yes. Okay. BYU scored, mm, I think, 16 points in 2006 Mm -hmm. with the John Beck offense, Johnny Harley and Curtis. They scored 16 points, one touchdown, three field goals. Yes. Okay. And then in 2016, with Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill, BYU scored a whopping 18 points. Jake Oldroyd. Two touchdowns. One caught by Colby Pearson and Braden Al-Bakri, who scored the first touchdown in the Kalani Satake era. 53 points offensively for BYU in that game. Three? <laughs> no. Three touchdowns combined in the last two season openers for BYU against Arizona in the state of Arizona. Okay, so let's say they scored just three and still win. What's Bo the chance Bo Hodge scores 83%. one of those touchdowns? 83%. You still are going to go with 83%? Yes, 83%. I'm not going to put that expectation on Bo. No, I just want him to contribute. And I'm with his dad. I just want him to be happy, okay? He doesn't need to score a touchdown to be happy. But he's capable. Just the whole idea of season openers with a new offense, touchdowns are at a premium. Hard to come by. I say I'm going to go with this number, 7% chance. Seven? Yeah. Lucky seven. Wow. Come on, lucky seven. Let's go. Number two. I don't know if you guys saw this on Instagram yesterday, but it has something to do with Matt Hadley and a haircut from Bo Hodge's Instagram account. What's the chance, though, it was Jerem Jordan who, well, basically got Matt Hadley in the haircut chair? Zero (laughs) percent. Jerem had nothing to do with that because if Jerem were involved – it would have been asking Matt to get rid of the mustache because he was jealous because he yes. could grow a much better yes. mustache. Yeah, zero percent. Zero percent. Jerem Jerem appreciates Matt Hadley's uh, quaff of hair. Okay, yeah, not so much about the mustache, but yeah, I, I don't think Jerem no. had anything to no. do with this. Zero zero percent. Sorry, Matt, you lost the flowing locks of blonde hair for now, but you can always grow them out later. That's the beauty of it, right? Absolutely. All right, next. What's the chance the BYU offensive or offensive mustaches last the entire season? Uh, thanks, Rick Majerus, for that. <laughs> um, the BYU offensive or offensive mustaches. <laughs> Depends on your inflection. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is low, too. I say, like, 2% chance that the mustaches last the entire season. Yeah, I'm, I'll, it's a fall camp thing, I think. Uh, well, I think it's going to go until... They lose a game, maybe? Maybe, or, or right. yeah, or just something doesn't work, right? So they want to mix it up. Okay. I, I'll say like 21%. Okay. Yeah, it's, like any any adversity, those mustaches are gone. <laughs> They're like, we're, 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 we're wiping the slate clean. I just settle on 21% there. 
I don't know. I just <laughs> say a number. Twenty-one. I don't know. It just came to mind. <laughs> okay. Oh, good stuff. Thank you, you, Ben Bagley, Jamal. for joining the fun. How about that? <laughs> oh man, twenty-one. Yeah, that sounds like a good number. How Let's do you- be honest. We're just throwing <laughs> yes. numbers the entire yes. segment. Yes. <laughs> Question of the day. How do your season expectations change for BYU football depending on who is named the starting quarterback? On Instagram, at BlotDaddy. Early season expectations are very low based on 2017 outcome, regardless of who the quarterback is. The Cougars need to prove it on the field that they are better. No blue goggles here. But what are your expectations? You say low. What is low? Is that five wins? Is it six wins? Seven? And depending on the quarterback, how many wins do you think BYU will rack up with Zach Wilson as the primary starter or Tanner Mangum as the primary starter? Uh, I think that's what we're getting at, right? absolutely. Wins, losses. Yes, that's what we're getting at. It's all about the wins and the losses. All right. It's all about awesome teases as well, and I'm very proud of this tease. (laughs) Coming up, what do Jeff Judkins and the Griswolds have in common? Find out in the whip. Are they driving that uh, Grand Safari station wagon? The family truckster. Okay. And next, the BYU offensive line apparently is better this season despite needing to replace the heart of the line, three significant starters. How will they pull that off? The big beauties under the microscope next. What's the Chance is brought to you by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Watch post-practice interviews and a recap after today's football practice on Facebook Live. You can check it out at facebook.com slash Sports. You can check it out at 2 p.m. Eastern, noon, Mountain Time. Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jason Shepard. Our daily BYUSN rebroadcast airs weeknights, well, on BYU Radio, I should say, at 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain Time, Sirius XM Channel 143. Our question of the day. How do your season expectations change for BYU depending on who is named as the starting quarterback? How are they different from Tanner Mangum? to Zach Wilson at the Brentar 14. I expect to have high expectations if Tanner Mangum starts. I can see a small but real possibility of winning nine games. Wow. With Zach Wilson, I think that little possibility is no more than seven. True freshman quarterbacks, no matter their talent, almost never have good seasons anywhere. Learn from history. Hashtag BYUSN. Well, there's a strong take and a specific (laughs) number in terms of the win-loss record for each of the two quarterbacks. Chime in. Look, hashtag BYUSN, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Look, I, I, I said it when we started the show. I think it's very natural that you would expect more from a senior versus a, versus a freshman. But Zach could be one of those exceptions that he just comes out and he gets it. Everybody we've talked to says this guy just continues to amaze. Jason, today we focus on the offensive line. And from here on out, I will refer to them not as the big uglies, but using the moniker, the big beauties. Have you asked them? Maybe they like being the big uglies. Well, I don't care. (laughs) I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to call them the big beauties. Okay. (laughs) Who protect the quarterback? They deserve more credit. They typically don't get it. And, of course, the quarterbacks are appreciative. 
speaking highly of the group, notably Tanner Mangum. The way that they've been coming out and and, uh, and, and dominating the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, doing their best to, to create holes for our running backs, create time for the, for the pass protection, they've been doing a great job. You know, they've shown a lot of improvement. Um, those guys are hard workers. The hard workers are coached by Ryan Pugh. Who's assisted by Jeff Grimes. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> his assistant. Or, or is, Jeff, yeah, is Jeff Grimes like the oversight committee of Ryan Pugh? <laughs> Father and son coaching together the offensive line. I'm telling you, it's so good to see family working together. Yeah, they're a fun companionship there, aren't they? It is. <laughs> uh, in all honesty, Ryan Pugh is legit. He's and a stud. You want to talk about accountability and uh, intensity and bringing it every single day? Ryan Pugh's your guy. He's your guy. And he's excited about what he has been given to work with and mold and try and help this group become better, certainly better uh, than they have been in the recent past. Who's the best player on the offensive line? This is an interesting one because right now I'm not sure. The, The two names that immediately come to mind for me, and it's probably somewhat of a surprise because they're both newcomers, so to speak, in terms of extended playing time, would be James Impey and and Tristan Hodge. Those are the two that would come to mind. I think in terms of upside, I I think those those are the two guys that come to mind. But right now, there's there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of depth. It's very hard to say who the best player is right now. Yeah, I have no idea. I really don't. I thought a long time about this yesterday. Okay, if I had to dub one of the offensive linemen the best offensive lineman. I couldn't come up with one guy. I think Tristan Hodge, because he has uh, a pedigree of mm-hmm. success. He yep. went to Notre Dame. He was all-world everything coming out of high school. He will pick up the most attention, but we haven't seen him play in an actual game right. for BYU. So I don't know I can call him clearly the best offensive lineman right now because I haven't seen him play at BYU. doesn't mean I don't have high hopes sure. and high expectations for him. I'm just not going to put that expectation on him right now. Like, yeah, he's the best. Would you, would you allow me to change my answer? Please do. 50%. Oh, Jason Shepard. <laughs> you are fired. <laughs> but I need you to stick around for the rest of the show. <laughs> I'm out. Peace. <laughs> yes, the newcomers for sure. Tristan Hodge, James Empey. And when you look at the two deep, there is a battle going on for the starting center position to replace T. John Caroma, who was a four-year starter James Empey, one of the newcomers, and Jacob Jimenez, both redshirt freshmen. I joked with Jacob last night at the Cougar kickoff, hey, is it okay if I just, you know, go ahead and dub you the starting center? He's like, you can do whatever you want, man. It's cool. Uh, I don't make the decision, but what a battle going there between Empey and Jimenez. At left tackle, it looks like that's Thomas Schoaf's position. Left guard still up for grabs. Kiefer Longson, Chandon Herring in there. How does Ului Lapoaho coming off significant injury? He's back. He calls himself the grandpa on the football team. You know, okay. Then at right guard, Tristan Hodge. Right tackle, that seems like Austin Hoyt has it on lockdown. We'll see. I just, I like the fact that they feel like we've got 10 guys at any moment who could start. And And you're not the only one that feels that way, by the way. Blaine Fowler also agrees with that. Yeah. I feel better about this offensive line. I, like, I can name 10 guys that I would be just fine if any of those 10 started on the offensive line. And I haven't been able to say that for I don't know how many years. All right, there you go. Hot take from Blaine Fowler on the offensive line. That wraps up our position preview of the Big Beauties. Coming up, Micah Simon making a watch list. We'll let you know which, which watch, watch list, list he's, on. he's on. And the BYU women's volleyball team 
already dominating in the West Coast Conference. The season hasn't started, right? This is BYU Sports Nation. Shout out to today's guest, former NFL All-Pro running back Merrill Hodge. Dennis Pitta will be on Behind the Mic tonight, so I don't need to apologize to him. Jason, what else do you have for us? If you missed any of today's show, you can always download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And coming up this week, Tyler Hawes is going to join us in Studio B. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Fall camp week three underway with practice right now. Media availability will be immediately following this afternoon. Coverage beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern time, high noon mountain time on BYU TV Sports Facebook page at facebook.com slash BYU TV Sports. Micah Simon on the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award watch list, recognizing the top offensive player in Division I football. In addition, the nominee must have either been born or graduated from a Texas-based junior college or four-year college. Athletics news. Yeah, this just uh, coming out a few minutes ago. Brigham Young University just announced that there will be uh, an improvement project that will begin at Lavelle Edwards Stadium following the 2018 season. The project will connect each of the four independent stadium stands at the mezzanine level and will increase the number of restrooms and improve the stadium experience. All right. There we go. Volleyball. Women's volleyball picked to win the West Coast Conference by the coaches. Surprising to nobody. McKenna Miller, Kennedy Eskenberg, Mary Lake, Lindy Haddock, Epic, and Ronnie Jones-Perry all on the preseason all-conference team. Golf. Rhett Rasmussen, Peter Quest, two of 24 golfers who were involved in a playoff this morning for the final spot into match play. Quest was one of the final two but did not advance. Soccer. Women's soccer beat the alumni team 3-2 after two goals from Lizzie Braby and one from Bella Felino. Women's basketball. Is set to leave for a 12-day four-game exhibition tour in Europe August 18th through the 30th. They will play games in Prague, Vienna, Lake Bled, and Rome. Today's Rise and Shout going to Jason Shepard for bringing in the Griswolds into this conversation. 50%. (laughs) How Our elite voice of the day. How do expectations change based on which quarterback starts for BYU? Greg Skaggs on Facebook. No change, just win. Simple enough. Conversation continues 24-7. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For Jason, I am Spencer. Shout out to Andy Boyce. I like it. See you tomorrow.